wherever they may be, Lord God. I pray that uh, this morning, Lord, we would uh, just surrender, Lord, that we would recognize, Father, that uh, we serve the King of creation, the Lord of all reality. And we come to you now, Lord, to recognize your greatness, Father, your holiness. You are so high and set apart from us, Lord God. But yet you, you came in the flesh, Lord, dwelt among us, died and rose again, that we might be adopted in your family. I pray that our response, Lord, this morning would just be to rejoice and lift you up in praises. So we thank you for this time, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
spoke a word you were singing over me so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me and you've been so so kind to me
Welcome to Paradise today. So good to see all of your guys' faces. Happy 4th of July weekend. Did you guys have a good 4th of July? Yes, what a good reminder of not only the freedom that we have in this country, but also the freedom that the Lord has granted us. As Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. So we can experience that true freedom in Him. We have our connection cards here. If you're new with us this morning, then um, we welcome you to fill one out and just some basic information so that we can 
keep you updated with things going on here at Paradise Calvary. There's also a place for prayer requests. So if you have any prayer requests that you would like to fill that spot in, you can do so on that page. And you can also send your prayer requests at info at paradisecalvary.com. Um, our July service schedule is going to be posted on the website. So that's www.paradisecalvary.com for the schedule for this month. We've kind of discontinued for a short time our, you know, handout bulletins just for less contact for your safety and well-being. And please remember to RSVP. You guys all seem like you did a good job. So good job. Everybody did that. But you know, for next week, if you want to come, which we encourage you to come, please RSVP. For those signed up for the church camping trip, we're excited, and we're going to send out some um, details for that tomorrow. So be on the lookout for an email for you guys who are going to attend, and we are super excited to see you this weekend up in Panguitch Lake. It's so nice up there. We were up there last week up in Utah and like it's like 108 down here and it's like 85 up there at the highest. You know, that's hot. Everybody's like, it's hot. And I'm like, no. <laughs> then you drive down the mountain to Vegas. And you're like, this is hot. Um, so for tithes and givings, you can do those at our text to tithe or you can do so online on the website or you can drop it through the mail slot. Or we have, obviously, our boxes, you know, if you're here on Sunday. And finally, if you have any questions, you can send us those at the info station or um, email info at Paradise Calvary. And also, one last thing, if you haven't registered to vote but you would like to do so, we have lovely Sharon who will help you um, after the service by the information station. So keep that in mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for your body, Lord, that you have sanctified, you've set apart, you have truly set us free, Lord. And um, we want to be good stewards of the freedom that you've given us. We want to be good ambassadors of your kingdom, Lord, and help us to remember to um, seek first that kingdom, Lord. And we can be confident that all these things will be added to us if we do that, Lord. And I pray that you will bless your word today and that your body would be encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. I trust that you did have a good weekend by the grace of God. And I was thinking... Um, 10 of my, 10 of the years of my life I've spent outside of this country. I've lived in different countries. Um, maybe you know or you don't know that Gracie and I were missionaries in Eastern Europe for about 10 years total. And it does give us a unique perspective on being an American and, and, celebrating yesterday, but but especially, and I don't say this lightly, I don't mean to offend anybody, but especially because I have a greater citizenship than this. Like, this is good, and, and, and there's countries, every country in the world, they all think that they're the best. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you go somewhere, they think, and then they fight over 
historical figures, like uh, Nikola Tesla was from Yugoslavia, but technically it was Croatia, but the Hungarians claim him. So like, he's ours, it's our intellect, it's, you know, because everybody wants to be the best. Listen, you're the best when you're part of the best kingdom, and the best kingdom is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of heaven. No country on this planet comes close to that. So as much as I enjoy celebration and I enjoy my heritage, oh boy, how sweet is it to know Jesus, to know that whatever any of these countries on earth have to offer, his offer is better. And I'm just thankful for that. I don't want to, I'm not trying to put anybody down or act like, you know, have a better perspective. But, but how do we respond differently to the events that are going on around us when we take more seriously our citizenship in heaven than our citizenship on earth? God is good. Amen. The title of today's message in this continuing in our Forsaken Kingdom series is Matthew chapter 19. The title is What's Good? And I don't know if you've heard that expression. I think it's kind of newer, but I actually had somebody say to me, what's good? And I didn't know if like they were, it was a joke or, or what, it, what it was, but, but I started to think, you know, I was thinking like, yeah, that's a good question. What's good? The term um, is supposed to be kind of synonymous or the same as saying what's up, or it can have a negative connotation to where you're challenging somebody like what's good, you know, whatever. I don't know. All I know is that when I ask questions like that, like, or if somebody wants to turn it into a greeting, I like it better with the positive tint than the negative every day of the week. And it starts to make me think, what's good? Yeah, what's good? What is good? What's up? And, and you got the, you know, the, the little, little brats that the sky's up, the ceiling's up, the stars, whatever. You know what we're saying. We're, saying, we're asking you how you're doing. But what's good? What's good? And then I start to think, and, and, and I think of all the things that are happening right now. And then the question kind of, the rabbit hole question kind of transforms into a, what's good? What's good? What is good, man? Wow. The prophet Isaiah says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And we are living in a day and age where people call, and they've done it forever since Isaiah, People call evil good and good evil. And this is the question that we have posed to us today. The key word, if you will, if you're taking notes, we have seven points that we're going to work through. The key word is good. We're going to look at that word a little bit. We're going to put it in its right place. And we're going to do something this morning that I I enjoy doing with the Bible. Sometimes some teachings or preachings kind of focus on one or two or three verses and then a lot of cross-references. I have no problem with that. But from time to time, I also really enjoy taking a large chunk of Scripture and taking a couple steps back and seeing how it all fits together. So this chunk of Scripture that we're looking at this morning, it's got this this thread of good throughout the whole thing. And when we look at it from the beginning example, starting with children to the end example of becoming like servants and serving each other, we see this beautiful mural painted for us of what the Christian, the believer, the the kingdom citizen is supposed 
Well, not supposed to so much as a picture of what that looks like. Let's start in Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 13. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, when we ask ourselves what's good this morning, we can ground ourselves, root ourselves in the truth that you are good. You are so good. You are a good, good father. It's who you are. And nobody can compare to you. And I can take, we can take absolute confidence in your goodness. And that all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose because our confidence is in your goodness. So Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today. You would sow your word in our hearts so that we can take that good word, we can take that goodness of who you are and be your lights and salt out in this world that's struggling right now. Father, we thank you for that time of worship where we can offer you the fruit of our lips that comes from our heart. God, that we can gather together in your name, study your word and the application of your word, and that that also is a form of worship, that we can worship you through our tithes and offerings, God. Our lives are yours. You are our authority, and we submit ourselves to you. Speak to us, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 13, Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them, the little children. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. If you've been with us following along online or you've been here with us in person a few weeks ago, we covered the portion of scripture where Jesus deals specifically with the importance of children. And what was the characteristic of the child for the anybody that was here, if you remember, what was the characteristic of the child that Jesus wanted to emphasize? What was it? Humility. Humility. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like children because children humble themselves to the, to the place of being able to receive something from somebody. And as we get older, and you know, even as we get older and older and older and, and older and older and we're really old, we just want to do things our way. <laughs> I'm not submitting myself to anybody. I've lived my life. I've made mistakes. I've done right things. I've done wrong things. But this is the way that I want to do, do it now. And this is how my toothbrush sits on the sink and nobody's going to Touch it or move it or tell me otherwise. The sense of humility Jesus comes back to the kingdom of heaven is such as these little children and the emphasis being on their humility in the previous chapter study that we did. And the point number one, if you're taking noites, is uh, noites, if you're taking noites, it's a new word. What's good? Noites. Point number one is humble, blessed children. I like to say blessed. Humble, blessed 
children. And it says that the disciples rebuked the children. Jesus doesn't have time for you guys. You know, there's other people that need blessings, and you snot-nosed little brats, y'all don't need no blessings, get out of here. I can identify with rebuking children more than blessing children. Just kidding, I, I just enjoy it. If they're my own children. And I know it sounds weird. It's it's really not weird, but I, I rebuke my kids for fun because they know, like when it's dad voice, Tim, they know. You know, there's there's no. They know their father. They know the voice of their father. But when it's joking, Dad Tim, oh man, it's so much fun. And especially the they just had some friends over for a sleepover, and they were playing video games or something, thing that they probably shouldn't have been doing. They were having fun, and they were getting loud, and I, and I was doing some work in the back of the house, and I came out, and, and, I, and I screamed, what are you guys screaming about out here? You're all super loud, and I can't even concentrate. My kids are like, <laughs> the kids that were on the sleepover, they turn white. They're like, can I go home? Who is this maniac? Kids, they're easy to manipulate. Why? Because they're humble of spirits. Now, yeah, you've got your moments with children that you can see the carnal side as well. And they learn just like we all learned. But the first point that Jesus is going to make when it comes to the kingdom of heaven here this morning is the little children. And it says that he laid his hands on them and departed from there. You know, of course, this signification of the laying on of hands is a blessing. He had a blessing for them. He said, don't, don't prohibit the little children from coming to me. And he blessed them. Number two, the rich young man. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now I want to draw your attention to something here this morning. What's our key word? Good. How many times did we just read our key word in the text? Whenever I say something's a key word, you want to be on the hunt for it, right? How many times? Four times. Two times from the rich young man. He says for the first, good teacher, what good thing shall I do to have eternal life? Jesus' response is very specific. Jesus always says exactly what he wants to say. He says, why do you call me good? For the third good in our text. No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, Keep the commandments. Now, listen, listen to me. As we look at this rich young man, we can see a couple things about his life through what's being communicated to us by Jesus and by the text. Number one, he's wealthy. Number two, the, the emphasis is, what do I need to do? What good thing? His, his focus is on works right from the beginning. Jesus says to him, his response is, if you want to talk to me about works, if you want to talk to me about doing good, then look at the law. Go to the law, obey the law. And he goes on to say, he said to him, which ones should I do? Well, that's an interesting question because it's a little more telling about this rich young man, isn't it? 
Okay, so I'll, I'll obey what the law is, but which ones do I obey? Which ones are you talking about? So there's some that you don't want to obey, or what's the deal? I don't know. Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? What's indicative in the question of the rich young man, what still do I lack? What still do I need to do? Is revealing that there's something in his life that he's protecting, that he doesn't want to address, that he doesn't want to handle. In fact, we find out very quickly what that thing is. He's looking for a qualifier from Jesus. Is this enough? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, that word can also be translated as whole, go, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now, in everything that we just read, Jesus gave the answer to having eternal life. And what is it? It's selling everything that you have and giving it to Pastor Tim because I'm poorer than you are, most absolute, probably, most of you. And if you want treasure in heaven, I don't think it's a bad way to go, you know. No, that's not what it's saying. There are some people that take this text and manipulate it into you giving them their money, and that's absolutely not what it's saying. Remember, the emphasis and the focus is on works. And Jesus is saying, if you want to do works, and then he hits the nail. You know how Jesus does that? He hits the nail on the head for the problem, the issue of the rich young man. Luke tells us he's a rich young ruler. If you want to be whole, if you want to receive, you're not, you're, you're doing everything, right? You're obeying the law, but he's not really sensing that peace, that wholeness, that satisfaction. If you want to do more, well, then sell everything you have and give to the poor. But then what's the last two words, the most important words of Jesus' response to the question? What are the last two words of what Jesus said? Follow me. That is how we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's not the commandment. It's not the law. It's not selling our stuff. It's, it's making a list of priorities, which we're going to talk a little bit more about later. Making a list of priorities and saying, God is at the top, kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And everything else comes after that. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20 talks about good and righteous. Paul says, what then? Are we better than they, the Jews or the Greeks? Not at all. 
For we had previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God, for they have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are, are in their way, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. This is the most important part if you are following with me. That every mouth must be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the Deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You can talk to the rich young guy and keep giving him stuff to do, except his pet project in life, the thing that he wants, and he'll do the best he can, but he'll never experience the wholeness until he lets go follows Jesus and allows that to be the top priority. Bringing us to our third point, the first was the humble blessed children, the second was the rich young man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, this is a very deep moving passage of scripture. And I've talked to people over the years that that really want to maybe nitpick the illustration that Jesus is using. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of, of heaven. But please understand this. In the context of what's being said and the example that's being used, what's the point What's the point being made? Are we talking about cows and and eyes of needles and whether it's holes and walls or whatever it is? What's the point? The point is it's impossible. That's the point. He can use whatever illustration he wants, and what he's trying to say is it is impossible with man. And we see that in the response by the disciples. It says they're shocked. They're astonished. How is it possible? Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. It's impossible. Whatever illustration I use, guys, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Another reason that the disciples were frustrated or upset or astonished at the saying was what? Why? Because in that, their culture, if somebody was blessed and wealthy and doing very well, they were blessed of God. So how is this contradictory statement by Jesus reconciled? If God is the one blessing people with wealth, but that it's possible for wealthy people to go to heaven, we're in a bad place here, right? It's because that's not what he's saying. He's comparing all of the things that we just talked about in regard to the law and the things that you do 
to God's provision. Because man cannot get there. Women cannot get there apart from Jesus Christ. And you can try, you can work, you can dig, you can, you can do it, make it happen, put in work. But apart from the Son, there's no reconciliation to God. There's no right relationship. And with man, it is impossible. I was pretty frustrated. I got kind of discouraged a little bit, I'll be honest with you, okay? When I was reading through those verses in Romans, kind of bummed me out. Nobody's good, none righteous. They're like snakes, venomous snakes. They're filthy. They practice deceit. They're full of cursing and bitterness. They shed blood. And I want to think, come on, God. Why you got to be so hard on me? I, I try to do good things. I try to do nice things. But that's the point, isn't it? The point is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it is only by his goodness, and I can say this with full confidence, 100% guarantee, it's only because of his goodness through Jesus Christ that I am good. 100%. I would not be nice to any of you if I wasn't a Christian. And the only time I'd be nice to you is when I wanted something from you, and then I'd be mean to you again. But because of the goodness of God, he's changed my heart take in, remove the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. Given me different eyes to see people and empathize with people. I was talking to a sister the other day and, and it was a gr really good conversation with it. She was a non-believer, just a mutual friend of, of ours. And, and we were talking about a certain demographic and I, don't, I can't be too vague, but it was just some people that we know that we're close to that, that kind of are annoying, you know? And, and, and her response was trying to get to a place of understanding where they're coming from. And I said, you know what? That's so good because I've been trying to, you know, share with her the, the, the truth of, of, of God. And, and um, I said, that's so good because... That's what the Bible does. That's what I want to do. I want to empathize with people. Yeah, maybe I can't be exactly in their shoes or go through what they, but I want, I want, to, I want to try to meet them somewhere close to where they're coming from because that's what I saw Jesus do every single time. Every time he's meeting these people right where they're at. He's loving them. He's revealing himself to them. With, with man, this is impossible. Just meditate on that this week. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter answered, this is our point number three. And Peter answered in true Peter form and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what do we have? <laughs> The danger is comparing ourselves to other people. Do you guys do that? And, and nowadays, it's so easy to do that on social media or whatever. I want to be like, damn, how come I don't have this? How come I don't have that? And Peter says, we didn't do that. We gave everything up to follow you, Jesus. What are we going to get? Oh, it's valid. I can see Jesus responding very calmly. It's a very valid question. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, 
that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This was specifically to them, a promise to his twelve disciples. He says, because you've done this, this is going to be your reward. You asked and I answered. And then this, pro- this next promise is for everybody else. And everyone, that's you and me, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, may be a little confusing what exactly Jesus is trying to say here, but it's not confusing. Remember, everything that has to do or is connected to the gospel is pretty simple. God wants us to understand it. And what we had here is we, we had a list of priorities, what we can have as priorities in our life. And if we take any of those things and we put them above our relationship with God, those things, ultimately, they'll become idolatry, but... But the, the list of priorities, and it doesn't have to be this, but for their culture, that was, those were all of the most important things to them. And notice, I, I like to notice with me, if you will, that a big part of it's the family. But if I don't have a right relationship with God, if I'm not communing with God and receiving God's word in my life, I'm not going to have a good relationship with my family. I'm not going to treat my mother and my father. I'll tell you what, I would treat my father, my brother, and my sister, and my other family absolutely differently, probably polar opposite, if I was not a believer walking with Jesus. I would treat them differently. But because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is number one, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Because that's my focus and priority, all of those other relationships I think are pretty healthy. Some could be healthier. I want more to be healthier, but they're pretty healthy. But I would like to say that you should take the list literal. Obviously, you should. But now in today's day, you could have other things on that list. See, again, if we're going back to a list of priorities, you know, maybe I like to ruffle people's feathers, so don't get mad. It's just kind of like for fun, like with the sleepover kids. But, you know, what could be number one on my list of priorities just in, in, in the spirit of the weekend? The American dream. Number one, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to succeed. I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live the American dream. I'm going to be successful, and that's it. Well, that could be on your list above the kingdom of God. And what does that look like for you? It means that you're not focusing on what God really hoped and intended you to focus on. A relationship with him. And then he goes on to explain. So our last point by Peter was, what about us? And now we go into this next point of the last will be first. And Jesus explains himself a little bit of what his, what his intentions are communicating this. Chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. Notice, that's a key right there if you're an underliner. Whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call all the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Also important to realize that in this story, okay? He says, bring the laborers in, and the last person that I hired, you pay that guy first. So this guy's been here for what? All intents and purposes. He's been there an hour, working an hour. Gets a denarius. Next guy comes along. He's been there two hours. Gets a denarius. And down the line they go, and then we have the first guy. Early bird gets the worm. He's the last one to get paid, and there's probably some anticipation building. If they're all getting denariuses for working less time, I'm going to get more, right? Maybe he'll give me two. Maybe he'll give me three. That guy worked for an hour. When those came, who were hired about the 11th hour, they received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarius. I'm not blowing the story up. They were expecting more. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. That's another key right there. Doesn't that speak to our culture right now? You have made them equal with us. And they're not equal. Because we have burdened the burden, borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? What's our key word for the day? Who's good? The master, the landowner. See, this is something that I have to try to remind Christians of on a regular basis. He's the ultimate authority, not you. You can have certain ideals and wants and expectations. God is not under obligation to you to fulfill what you think he needs to do for you. And I have seen this literally play out in the church context of people saying the exact same thing. I'm upset with you because I deserve more. And we can look around at people around us and our neighbors and say, I'm upset with you because they've got that and I should have that and I deserve more. And God says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? God will, also, God will always minister or, or help you with your needs. 
always takes care of your needs. He's under no obligation to address your wants. There's a lot of wants, but unless it's a need, and sometimes we think it's a need, and God says, no, that's not a need. That's a want. And I'll give you the provision for the need when the time comes, but I'm not going to accommodate your wants. So the last will be first, and the first will be last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Who is the authority? Is it me, my wants, or is it me submitting my needs to God? Verse 17, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. This is what Jesus has been communicating to them, right? Have they, have they received it yet? They still haven't received it. Peter got rebuked. He keeps telling them, this is what I'm going to do. He's like saying, you guys be like kids, be humble. He's saying, you know, like for the rich, it may be impossible for man, but it's, but it's not impossible for God. He's demonstrating from his life everything that he does and says, this is the plan of God. And then he says, to the point where it affects me personally in my life, and I too, as I'm calling you all to, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to do the will of the Father. And this is why it's important for us to, to bite off such a big chunk of Scripture. Because what's the next verse after that say? Remember, these little breaks that you have in your Bibles, they're not in the original text. Right after Jesus says, guys, this is the plan. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. The next thing, then the mother of Zebedee's sons comes to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your kingdom. We can be so myopic in our lives that really it's only about what's happening with me and this is directly connected to our next point the, the last one was jesus exemplifies his teaching through the cross but this next one is preference and authority and i think this is one of the biggest issues that we are dealing with in our society right now preference and authority people want to be preferred over others and it doesn't matter who you are. I'm not talking about any kind of specific demographic. I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. Everybody wants to be treated better or preferred over other people. To the degree that they even have an authority. You know how many people I had talked to said they had to quit, quit going on social media now? Because everybody's an authority. And, and if you have anything to say against them, you are, oh, you are finished. I've read threads of 350 comments of the worst backbiting, venomous words from people that I know are, who call themselves Christians. And I'm just like, what's the profit? What's the profit? What's the benefit for you? That you are an authority on this? That people should be bowing down to your opinion? Listen, the kingdom of heaven is about those who humble themselves. 
The kingdom of heaven is about those who serve others, which is our last point. The question is preference and authority. Sitting at the right hand and the left hand of the throne of Jesus would mean what? They were the closest to the king. What else would it mean? It means that they had uh, a place of authority over the others. We haven't read it yet, but the other ten are going to be pretty ticked off with them. You know why? Because everybody wants to be the next level or the next level down of authority, the hierarchy. But the opposite is humility. And Jesus is trying to get this message across. Can you feel it? Can you smell it? Can you see it? Can you sense it? And then, hey, mom, maybe if you talk to Jesus, he'll listen to you. Because we've got to secure our place in the kingdom when it comes. Okay, boys, I'll do it. Jesus, I really want my boys to sit at your right hand and your left. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? You guys, you know what he's talking about, right? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. I don't know if he was that excited when he said it, but you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. When the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, our last point, number seven, our last point, humility and serving others. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I like those last two points because it does speak so much to the days that we live in right now. Preference and authority, humility and serving others. And we've come full circle, haven't we? We started with what? We started with the children and that they of such of these are the kingdom of heaven. And the specific thing Jesus talked about in the last portion of scripture about children was their humility, their humbleness. They're able to receive and then now we end with humility, submission to each other, and service. Not the hierarchy, not you're better than I am, I'm better than you are. We don't use those kinds of words in the context of this church. In the context of the church, we shouldn't. You know, when I, um, Gracie and I first got into ministry, we would meditate and I would talk to people about being a minister. You guys know what the word minister means. Does anybody know what the word minister means? It means servant, service. So if you're ministering to people, you are serving them. Now, I'm not, again, I, I don't, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but just for the sake of the meaning of the word, there's a word that's used in some um, religious institutions that they're referred to as, the ministers are referred to as reverends. And the reason that they're called reverends is because they are to be revered. 
and, and it, it's, it's, it's placing somebody in a position above others, a hierarchy. But it should be us coming back to ministry, service. Again, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying that those people, whatever they want to call themselves, they can call themselves, they can call themselves Scooby-Doo for all I care. Because I like Scooby-Doo. But we're servants. And as part of the kingdom of God, our heart needs to be in humility to serve one another. And then what's the answer to the question? Even to the first question, you see how this has all come together? What's the answer to the question? Whoever wants to be greatest in the kingdom of God will become the least, will become the servant. And you will learn that if you want to be great, you will learn to serve. Let's look at our seven points in closing while we wrap things up here. Number one, humble, blessed children, such is the kingdom of heaven. Humility, submission. Number two, rich young man. I, and I asked the question of the first service, I'll pose the same to you. Would it have made any difference to the rich young man if he was a rich old man? I don't know. Either of which... What's impossible for man, with God all things are possible. Number three, what about us? What about us, Jesus? We did this, we did that, they're not doing this or that. What do we get for it? Don't compare yourself to others, please. Try not to. It's dangerous, it's a slippery slope. Just fulfill your calling. Because you've received a call from God. And if you get too busy inspecting what other people have been called to in whatever season they're in, you're not going to be able to fulfill your own calling. So cry out to God and ask Him, God, what have you called me to? What do you have for me? How can I best do that? How can I be the best steward with what your purpose for me is? Number four, the last will be first. And remember, God makes the rules, not you. People say, you know, they ask, what about this? What about that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I don't know. I'm not sure most of the time, but you know what? You're not in charge. You've got your wants. I understand that. But he's given from his purse according to your needs. And he does it well in season. I've experienced it. Number five. Jesus exemplifies his teaching. Jesus talks the walk, walks the talk. He will live and die for us, fulfilling the example of a true citizen of heaven. Number six, preference and authority. You are not the ultimate authority. As much as you think you may be, as much as you think you are, God is the ultimate authority. And let me tell you, when you get to a place of peace with that truth, that God is the ultimate authority, you will truly start to experience what rest is. And let your, let your hands go, like open your hands, let go of these things that you've been toiling over. Humility and serving others. If you want to be great, learn to serve.
And who better to learn to be great from than learn to serve while you're serving in the kids' ministry? So sign up for kids' ministry. Jesus says, do not prohibit the little children from coming to me. Learn from their example, and then you can be great. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, and we hope that it's not just words that fall on deaf ears. We desire, as your word says, we desire to be not only hearers of your word only, but doers also. We would be exercising these truths that we learn, that we would be submitting ourselves to you in humility. And it's kind of easy to serve you because you're so good. It's kind of easy to submit ourselves to you once we get to know you more because we know we can expect good things. We know that we can expect what's right, like in the parable of the denarius. We can expect what's right from you. But sometimes it can be hard to serve each other, especially in this climate right now. So may that word not only apply to us in our submission to your authority, in our submission to who you are, who you say you are, but also in how we express that to our brothers and sisters around us, how we express that to others in our lives, how we serve, how we love, how we prefer others over ourselves, instead of saying that others need to prefer me. Thank you for these lessons, Lord, and thank you that this is contrary to the way that the world does things. That we can recognize that. Um, just once again, we pray that you bless my brothers and sisters that are here, those that are watching, that you bless their week, and send us out, Lord, to be your light and your salt, even in these difficult times, especially in these difficult times, by the power of the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Father, for taking us with you in your victory, Lord. May we seek you first above all else, Lord. We are uh, citizens in your kingdom, Lord, first and foremost. May we seek your will, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.